grab a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're walking through the way Paul uses the word mystery in the New Testament. And mystery is the unity of the body of Christ, no matter who we are and where we come from. And I know over the last few weeks and few months, um, I've heard your expression and also mine as well. Um, we're not quite sure what to make of all the situations in the world today. Um, it, does, it feels kind of different now than it did before. Um, and there's a reason for that. It is different. The rule book has changed. The playbook has changed. And we haven't made, necessarily been uh, made aware of it. Uh, we are living in a world now, in a time now, that we are not dealing with Martin Luther King's solutions to division and racism. We are living in an entirely different world because worldviews have consequences. And we are now uh, living in a world where there is another worldview that has come in. And I don't know that even uh, Martin Luther King's message of reconciliation would be welcome in a world today where the worldview is different. I've said through the years, our worldview determines how we look at life. What we believe and what we think about life determines how we relate to others and how we look at others. And every worldview has to answer a few questions. One of them is, where did we come from? What are our origins? We also have to answer the question, what is the problem? What is wrong and what is broken in the world? And the third thing a worldview has to answer is, what's the solution? And as Christians, we are to be thinking uh, uh, believers and thinking people and to evaluate and not just wholeheartedly pull in everything that we hear and everything that we, uh, that we see or read. And so this worldview that we are operating in now is, the, is a worldview that is different than many of us have grown up with, or many of you have thought, this is how I relate to one another. Because literally the playbook and the rule book has changed. And so today we hear terms like privilege and wokeness and virtual signaling and uh, intersectionality. And those terms are not created in a vacuum. Those words are coming from a particular worldview. And so worldviews are what drive our view of the world. Atheism is a worldview. Atheism says there is no God, and so we are just the product of evolution, and the choices that we make are just the product of the neurons of our brains firing, and there is no moral goodness, and there is nothing inherently uh, valuable about us. And so we have atheism. Theism says, on the other hand, that there is a God who created us and we have worth and dignity and value, that we are moral agents. We are responsible for our own actions and our own sins, and we are also responsible for the ways that we treat others. And uh, uh, theism says that there is a God and humanity's problem is sin, and the solution is the cross, and so the reconcilement that we have in Jesus. So I just want to walk through this morning for just a few minutes this worldview that we are living in that maybe we quite, didn't quite put a finger on, but, but some of you said things just are different. And here there's, there's a reason things are different. It's called critical theory. There is a worldview now that is Marxist in origin. Marxism is a worldview. It's an atheistic worldview. And this worldview has taken root. It's taken root in academia, I am worried about Christian young people as they go off to college. This has been wholeheartedly bought by professors and teachers. And uh, uh, a lot of what you hear, the talking heads on TV, just spout this as the worldview as the way it is. Now, worldviews have to correspond to reality. And so this has taken root. And so what this critical theory says, and this is the assumption that, that we are operating under, or some folks are operating under, not everyone. 
Critical theory says this, and it's Marxist in origin, and Marxism always has the idea of power. So in other words, if you and I go in an elevator, and we both had $10, and I come out with $20, Marxism says, I overpowered you and took my money. It took your money. But the reality is, maybe you gave it to me. The reality is, maybe we played a game of poker in the elevator, and you lost it because you're a bad car player. But Marxism doesn't see any of that. All it sees is two folks went in the elevator, one came out with $20, and so the $20 person had to overpower the other person. It's always in terms of power. And so critical theory says this. People are divided into groups, and there's always two groups that are pitted against each other. And that is the problem that it discusses. And so there are those groups who have power and those groups who don't have power. And those groups who have power are always uh, oppressing the groups who don't. And so for this morning, uh, there's there's a million of these little uh, sections, but we're just for illustration purposes. We are going to look at four of them to kind of walk through this. And so uh, we know there's male and there is female. These are the main groups that we find in our world today, uh, or the discussions that we find in our world today. There's white folks and there's black folks. There is heterosexual folks and there are gay folks. Now, this is a new term, and you may not understand, uh, cisgender. Cisgender means you were born with the biological parts of a man and you identify as a man. Cisgender says you were born with the biological parts of a female, and so you identify as a female. In other words, you identify with the parts that you have. The other group is transgender. Now, these four we're going to just use for illustrations this morning. I hope the light bulbs start going off, that you start to say, oh, that's why I hear this, or that's why I see this, or that's why I really don't quite understand this. And these features are all one oppressing the other. And so the term is intersectionality. We've talked about that term off and on, but intersectionality is how these groups relate to one another, how these groups oppress one another. And so the intersectionality says this, when a female comes in contact with a male, the male is the oppressor. When a black person comes in contact with a white person, the white person is the oppressor. When a gay person comes in contact with a heterosexual person, the heterosexual person is the oppressor. And so intersectionality says that there are groups of people, and anytime people relate to one another, it's always the sense of oppression and power and authority. And so what it says is the degree to which you're oppressed gives you some sense of moral authority. So we've seen this through the years. Uh, Let's take male and female. The whole Me Too movement a few years ago, the mantra of the Me Too movement was what? Believe all women, right? Why? Because women are oppressed by men, so we have to believe all women. It gave a sense of moral authority to women. What it says is, women never lie. There's a sense of moral authority because they're the oppressed group. And so they are, there's virtue in being oppressed group. Uh, the oppressed group has this sense of that, that they, they don't lie. That so, the, so we see, believe all women. So the more you are oppressed, the more valuable your life is. So a, a black lesbian is more valuable than a, than a, than a, a black, just a black hetero person. See how that works? It's levels of oppression, and it's, it's how these intersectionality things all work. Power is the defining characteristic. And so if you are part of the oppressed group, you cannot, 
some sins are off limits. And so, again, male, female, women are oppressed by men, so women cannot be sexist because they're the oppressed group, because men are overpowering them. That's what intersectionality is. And if you watch, you will see that term I just saw today on a headline. And it is, it is, uh, it is reported and it is written about as if it is fact. Now listen, it is a theory. And all I'm saying is, it is how a group of folks are trying to explain the world we live in. And this theory is kind of new. 60s, 70s, 80s, kind of this stuff started coming out. And so we hear terms like lived experience. It puts everybody into boxes. And because I'm in this box, I cannot understand people in this box. Okay, we all know that men can't understand women anyway, but this is taking it to a whole new level. And so because we're in our boxes, we all have different experiences, and you can't understand my experience, and I can't understand your experience. And because we are living different experiences, if I try to, as a man, I try to talk to a female about a, a reality as it really is, I am accused of mansplaining. Have you heard that term? That's what happens in intersectionality when anyone tries to crisscross and tries to say, no, wait a minute, this isn't really how it is. (laughs) Well, you don't understand. You are mansplaining. Or if you believe that God has created us as men and women and that someone who is created as a man thinks that they're a woman and you're trying to talk to them and say, you know, there might be some other things going on here. You, as a cisgender person are accused of transplaining and there's all you can there is an infinite number of splainings everybody and so intersectionality says that what because if a person of the oppressing group tries to explain the situation as it really is they are accused of splaining this is where we get the terms like microaggression and we get the terms of of uh, of uh, words or violence why because if you, if, if me as a man tries to, uh, to just talk to a female, not in a demeaning way, I'm not talking anything like this. We're not talking, we're just talking uh, innocent, normal conversation. Well, because I'm part of the oppressing group, now I am microaggressing you. I don't, it's not physical violence. It's, now it's my words. And so now we have this whole thing in our country where words are violence. Well, words are words, but because... So, 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 if I'm in the oppressed group, I can't talk this way, but this person can talk this way. You just need to listen, because I'm not, microaggression only goes one way, from the oppressor to the oppressee. And so now, this is where we find ourselves in. So some of those terms ringing a bell, I hope, but this is where we are. And this is where, a, 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 uh, usually it's people that are overeducated <laughs> and uh, don't have a lot of common sense, and they're trying to explain the world with these Marxist origins. And so what is the solution? If, if we truly live in a world like this, we're going to get to the Christian worldview in just a minute. If we truly live in a world like this, what is the solution? Everybody's pitted against one another. And what happens is, sometimes you are both the oppressed and the oppressor at the same time. How is that even possible? So here's the worldview solution. Remember, every worldview has to understand, how do we fix this problem? The problem, according to critical theory, is wokeness. Have you heard the term wokeness? Yes. So what you need to understand is if you are in an oppressive group, you need to be woke. Like, you need to wake up and be like, oh my, I'm oppressing. 
I didn't realize I was oppressing. All of a sudden, now I'm woke. Look at me, how awful I am. I had no idea I was doing it, but somehow I'm doing it because somebody told me I'm doing it. But I, I guess I am, so now I'm woke. And so now we see all these things about people who are woke. And so the, they virtue signal, and they put hashtag me too on their Twitter feeds and on their Facebook. And so what happens is when I'm woke, all of a sudden I realize, wow, I've had all this privilege and I've had all this stuff and I've been oppressing. And so now I need to self-flagellate and I need to uh, just think of myself as, as, as awful. Uh, and so and one of the ways to do that is virtue signal. And so June was Gay Pride Month. And so the way I virtue signal as a heterosexual cisgender person who, uh, who doesn't want to be up here that I'm oppressing um, gay trans people, I'm going to hang a rainbow flag on my front porch. Because I don't want you to think that I'm oppressing gay transgender people. Isn't this the world we live in, yes or no? It absolutely is. This is the world that we find ourselves in. And so the goal, the goal then, the solution is, is to take down power. In other words, it isn't about equality. It isn't about, hey, we are, we are uh, equal, created in God's image. I want to fight for you for equality. I want you to fight for me for equality. That's not the goal anymore. The goal is, because there are power structures, those need to come down. And so the intent is not about equality. It's about switching roles. And so those in oppressed are now to become the oppressor. And so any power must be resisted and opposed. And the critical theorist just assumes this is the right things to do. All it does is it swaps the supposed oppressed with the oppressor. Here's the problem with intersectionality. It is unsolvable. It is unsolvable, and it doesn't correspond to reality. Here's what it says. Males oppress females. Females must resist and overpower the males. That's your job. But what happens if you're a black female who is part of a minority group? You are at the same time oppressed, right, and the oppressor, because you, if you are a heterosexual black female, you are oppressing trans people. This is unsolvable. It just doesn't go anywhere. If you are white but you are trans, are you oppressed by a black gay person or not? It it is literally unsolvable, and there is no way to get around this. You can pick any combination you like. It doesn't work because any one of us is going to find ourselves in any one of these categories. If you are here today and you are a, 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 a black male who's a heterosexual, you are have some of the intersectional oppression categories, but you also have some of the intersexual oppressor categories when it comes to gay and trans people. Nobody's exempt. And you know who else is a privileged category? Christians. So if you are any of these and a Christian, now you are automatically in an oppressed group. Christians oppress non-Christians because it's asserted Christians hold more power over others who think their worldviews are true. And so a man, who, a, a man who goes out of his way to love his neighbor 
as Jesus would, who looks different than him or who behaves different than him. He just needs to, to be quiet and listen, right, to those who have the power of moral authority. However, this man, this Christian man who's serving his neighbors, if he would become a Muslim, he would gain some moral authority. Because according to intersectionality, Christians are the oppressors and all other faiths are the oppressees. We see that today. Even yesterday, uh, there's a suspe- another suspected arson at a cathedral in France. Why? Because the Christians are the oppressors. And intersectionality says the job of everybody else is to overthrow the oppressors. And so we can do any means that we want so we're, we can burn churches. There's been numerous churches that have been burned in the last week. Why? Because you're the oppressor, according to critical theory, intersectionality. And because I feel oppressed, I can do whatever I want to overthrow the power that you supposedly have. Listen, Jesus is the ultimate. <laughs> he is a male who has the power. So he's the ultimate one that needs overthrown, according to intersectionality. And so we have this place where we find ourselves. If a gay, white, biological male identifies as a, as a female, he has gained some moral authority. Why? Because he hits these categories, right? Even though he's biologically male, but he identifies as a female in the intersectional thing. He could be white, he could be male, but if he's trans, he hits some and not the others. The ultimate person would be, um, you know, like a, 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 a black male transgender dwarf. Like, that would be the ultimate person. Like, they, they hit all the things. Because you know, if you are able to walk on two legs, you are an ableist. You have oppressive power over those who don't have the full use of their physical uh, capabilities. So, you now find yourself in another oppressor group as an oppressee group. That's why some of these places, colleges and universities, you can't clap anymore after shows. If you go watch a play and everybody starts clapping, that's the power of the oppressive group who are able to clap their hands. What about those who can't clap hands or those who are averse to sudden noises? So now in some places they're recommending jazz hands. No sound. Everybody's okay. I can't imagine Peyton beginning her career after she graduates from college being awed by everybody doing jazz hands. It just doesn't work. That's the problem with all of the, with this theory that we find ourselves in. There is no hope in sight. And the, there is no logical foundation for this view. It is self-contradictory and it is illogical. And power is always associated with what? Organizational power, political power. But there are other kinds of power. We, we talked about uh, intersectionality, that males are oppressing females. But wait, ladies, you have another kind of power, right? You do. It's the stuff of movies, and it's the stuff of wars, and it's the stuff of why guys write off, on the, write off into battle, right? There's a different kind of power besides just organizational political power. There's, there's many varieties of power, and there's many varieties of where we find ourselves on these, on these scales. And so uh, uh, what happens is if I find myself in a place, I, 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 I can't say anything. So the heterosexual person cannot speak into the life of a, of a gay person. Cisgender, 
think everybody here today is cisgender. You were born as a male, born as a female, and you identify as that. We have no, we have no way to talk to a transgender person because they have more moral authority and they fall lower on the oppressive scale. So all of us today find ourselves in an oppressive category. The world just wants to make it about color. The world just wants to make it about gender. But listen, it goes far deeper than that. It affects everything that we're struggling with today. It affects all phases of life, from sexuality to uh, racism to all of those things. This affects everything. And if there isn't a solution, there, there's no way to win. And there's just no, and when I say win, I don't mean from the power perspective. I mean from that perspective where we can look at people and we can treat people with the dignity and the worth that they had. Brett Weinstein is a professor of evolutionary biology. This guy is not a believer at all. He's a self, uh, he, sa- he stated this. I would say we are headed for a collision course with history. I mean, we are staring at many scenarios that end in some kind of civil war. And while I do think it's still possible to avert that outcome, I don't know the name of the force that gets in the way. We know the name of the force that gets in the way, church, and that's Jesus. We know the name of the force that gets in the way, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's the gospel, it's the only, that's the only thing that's going to bring us together, that's going to uh, help us land in some of this place. We are to be thinking Christians. And 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. We as believers are, are, are or should be operating from a Christian worldview based on God's word, based on the person of Jesus Christ. We are to destroy every argument and every incorrect opinion about God. And one of the greatest attacks that we find in our world today is the attack on what does it mean to be human? Who are you? Are you just a bunch of boxes? Do do you? I don't want to be treated this way. I am far more than being put in a box and trying to be labeled and, and, and placed in this, in this thing. And so just because you are a white male, here's who you are. Or just because you are a heterosexual person, here's who you are. And you know what the world says when it says, uh, when it tries to put you in your place? You are homophobic, you are xenophobic, all the phobics. Where does that come from? It comes from the critical theory point of view that anytime you speak reality that you're, you are phobic of some kind. And there's no way to talk and there's no dialogue that's able to go across the boxes. But if, it's, but if we're honest, we inhabit a multitude of boxes at the same time because life is complex. Life is not this simplistic, I want to put you in a box and I can tell everything about you by the box that you're in. Toxic masculinity is all the rage. What is toxic masculinity? What that says is because you're male and because you maybe are a little competitive, you are toxic and you need to be brought down. But guys, do you want to be labeled as a toxic masculine man that you are assumed to be abusive and and run roughshod over women just because you're a man? I don't. And neither should you. And we shouldn't be settling for these places where people place us in the, within the world that's not operating from a Christian worldview. I don't want it to happen, and I sure hope you don't want it to happen. That you are defined by the box du jour. 
Because these boxes are just made up by a society. These boxes are just made up by the culture of the moment. They are not rooted in anything inherent in us. It's just what somebody said. And then it catches on. And then what somebody says, it takes on this air of, well, that's the way it is. But this isn't the way that it is. It's the power of the gospel to bring people together. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2. It's the mystery. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 says this. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision. Listen, this, if you have a version that circumcision is in quotes... This was a derogatory term. It was a way of labeling each other. And then those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, listen, what does he say? But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once Far away have been brought near by what? The blood of Christ. There it is. You've been brought near. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting it aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose, here's the mystery, was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. What's the answer? Well, the answer isn't wokeness. The answer isn't all the stuff we see. The answer is always the cross of Jesus. It's always the cross of Jesus. That's what Paul says. Go back 2,000 years. And what Paul's saying is, listen, you're putting people in their boxes. You're putting people in their Jewish box. And you're putting people in their Gentile box. And you're calling each other names. And there's no dialogue. There's no uh, way you're going to work this out. But Paul says, why? It was Jesus who did it. It was through his cross. It was through his his blood. In fact, in Ephesians 3, 6, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. There it is. You see, the Christian worldview tells us where did we come from, It tells us what the problem is, and it tells us what the solution is. And here's the gospel in the Christian worldview. We are equally created and valuable. Genesis 127, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Who was created in God's image? You and me. Who else was created? Male and female. What does that do for the intersectionality of of men and women? They are created in God's image. Do you know what that means? Because people are created in God's image. Men and women are created in God's image. There is no room for racism. There is no room for sexism. There is really no room for any kind of ism at all as we treat one another. Because we are all created in his image. We are equally created and we are equally valuable. Now I know the world doesn't tell us that. Sometimes we have had family members not tell us that. But I'm telling you, and we have hit this topic many times, you are created in God's image and don't let anyone take that away from you. Ever. Doesn't matter what color. It doesn't matter if you're 
Things are still working. It doesn't matter. Whatever, you are still created in God's image. And so we are, we are equally created. Critical theory suggests our, our identity is rooted in such things as our skin tone and our gender. But listen, our true identity is from the fact that we are human beings created in God's image. We, we don't have to be colorblind. We don't have to be color-obsessed. We be color-celebratory. That God has created this wonderful patchwork of people. And God has created this wonderful uh, mix of people that we all uh, can see and we can all interrelate. And so we look at each other as created in God's image. And there is something to learn from everyone. Yes, we all have different experiences. Yes, we all come from different places. And that's what makes it so beautiful when we sit down and we hear each other's stories. And we hear each other's pain. And we hear each other's hopes. We hear all those things. It's a wonderful and meaningful thing that God has created. Your gender and your ethnicity are sacred things. And that, is, that rules out any kind of attack on those by anybody. Why? Because we're equally created. And we equally have value because of this creation. And so in growing to be like Christ, we look for opportunities to help fellow believers and, yes, even our enemies. That's what we do. As someone who's created in God's image and is and seeing someone else created in God's image, and if that other person who's created in God's image is being denied their, their, their rights or denied justice, me as created in God's image, I need to step and help that person. But we do that for each other. We do that for everybody because we are all created in God's image. That's what makes injustice. and That's what makes, that's what makes all those things offensive to God. You read through those through the Old Testament. is because those things are happening to other people created in God's image. And we don't have the right in order to do that to another human being. And so we are equally what? Created in that. So Christianity tells us what our origin is. Christianity also tells us what the problem is. We are equally guilty of sin. Romans 3, and, uh, verses 9, 10, 3, 20. Listen to the word Jew and Gentile. Remember, these were the two... Um, intersectional boxes, if you will, that the world at the time looked at. What should we conclude then, Paul says? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that what? Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of the sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Then down in verse 22, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Unjust oppression of any other person is a violation of God's design and purpose for mankind. And so that sin, that, that, that grievance, whatever that is, that it happens. And so, uh, but according to critical theory, there are those who have this, uh, have this uh, moral authority and so seem like they don't have, uh, have any problem uh, sinning. I mean, as, a, as an oppressed person, a trans person has this moral authority, are people capable of stealing? Yeah. Are they capable of lying? Yes. Are they capable? Yes, they're capable of everything. Everybody else is. And so we are equally, and Paul said that Jews and Gentiles, he took down the excuse and he says, listen, it's not us versus them when the real problem is with us. (laughs) My problem isn't with you. My problem's with me. And the world wants to divide us up and the world wants to keep us divided. And it seems that it doesn't it seem worse now than it was before. It is because the worldview has consequences. And there is this thing where I, because we're in our boxes, we can't relate to one another. But Paul says, oh, that's the mystery of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we can relate to one another. In Jesus Christ, we have this barrier that's been broken down. 
And so the problem with intersectionality and the moral authority uh, of, of, that the oppressed are supposed to have, it seems like some people have sins and some people don't. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. But, but the gospel says this, the problem is with all of us. We are all sinners. But the third thing is, what's the solution? We're equally able to find redemption in Christ. You see, salvation for the critical theorist, salvation now, as we see this in our world today, is overthrowing power, is liberation. And listen, it doesn't matter what that power is. We see all these kind of things. But remember, at some point, all of us are the oppressed and the oppressee or flip-flop. It doesn't matter. Even as, even as believers, we find ourselves in those categories. But everyone is equally able to find redemption in Christ. The hope is in Christ. Romans 1.16, Paul says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. What does he say? First to the who? The Jew, and then to the Gentiles. See what he's saying? Salvation is equally accessible. That was the scandal of the early church. That was the, the mystery of God. Is that only the, remember the Jews were prepared by God to bring forth the Messiah. And then the, once the Messiah came, this new uh, kingdom started, the kingdom of the church. And so now Jews and Gentiles come together. And it was scandalous in the first century. And I tend to think it's kind of scandalous today. You're not supposed to be able to do the inner box thing anymore. But that's not life. None of us lives life in the box. We are complicated. We have many interests and tastes and preferences. And, and none of us is, is, is a cookie-cutter cutout. In fact, Paul says in Romans 3.22, the righteousness is given by faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. You see, the good news is, well, the bad news is everybody has sinned, but the good news is everybody can find redemption in Christ. If I try to find redemption in the current state of the world affairs with all this intersectionality stuff, there is, listen, there is no hope in this. One day I'm going to be the oppressed, and the next day I'm going to be the oppressor. And this is just a vicious cycle that keeps on going around. And it's talked, and it's about, and it's reported about, and it's lived for some people like this is reality. But the reality is this. We are all able to find redemption in Christ. It's not in the world. You see, on our own, we are selfish and we're all bent toward evil. But Jesus calls us to die to self, to pick up our cross and follow him. We should be more about finding out how God would have us live our lives and how we can bless other people. Not all our relationships are defined by power. Critical theory says every, all your relationships are defined by power. Every time you run into someone or in a relationship with someone, one of you has the power and one of you doesn't. That's no way to create meaningful relationships. That's no way. That's not really how life works. As we already said, there's, there's, different, kinds of, uh, there's different kinds of power. But aren't many of our relationships defined by love and sacrifice? When you get married, if you have power struggles, you're going to find out that doesn't end very well. But if you live by love and what? By sacrifice. And I would say there's a greater power in the world than the, the power that the critical theory would have us, a, a power of, of strength and might and oppression. But there is, in the, in the words of the song, the power of love. Isn't that what Jesus called us to do? He absolutely did. It was, it was love and sacrifice. We read this story yesterday at the men's breakfast, but I wanted to share this with you. In The Prodigal God, Tim Keller says this. The film Three Seasons is a series of vignettes about life in post-war Vietnam. And one of the stories is about Hai, 
a rickshaw driver, and Lon, a beautiful prostitute. Both have deep, unfulfilled desires. High is in love with Lon, but she is out of his price range. Lon lives in grinding poverty and longs to live in the beautiful world of the elegant hotels where she works, but in which she never spends the night. She hopes that the money she makes from prostitution will be her means of escape, but instead the work brutalizes her. Then High enters a rickshaw race and wins the top prize. With the money, he brings Lon back to the hotel. He pays for the night, and he pays her fee. Then to everyone's shock, he tells her he just wants to watch her fall asleep. Instead of using the power of his wealth to have sex with her, he spends it to purchase a place for her for one night in the normal world to fulfill her desire to belong. Lon finds such deep grace troubling at first, thinking High has done it to control her. When it becomes apparent that he is using his power to serve rather than use her, it begins to transform her, making it impossible to return to a life of prostitution. Isn't that what changes hearts and minds and lives? Jesus, who had all the power in the world, laid aside the the immensities of his being at the cost of his life. He paid the debt for our sins, purchasing us the place where our hearts can truly rest in the Father's house. In Philippians, we read this, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's why the mystery of the gospel is the problem to the answer to the problems we are experiencing. Power to love and to serve. Isn't that what Jesus did? That's the, that's the model that he gave us. Are people in positions of power? Absolutely. There just, they're just are. Do people misuse power? Absolutely. Why is that? Because they're sinful. Do we misuse our power sometimes? Absolutely. Have you ever gotten angry with your kids for no reason? <laughs> Have you ever punished them more than they deserved? Have you ever not talked to somebody, given them the cold shoulder? You know what that is? It's power. We just do it all the time. But it's individual power. It's individual things. It's, it's, the, it's the agency that each of us has as free will beings created in the image of God that I can either use that power to overpower or I can use that power to serve and to love. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And as believers, we live in a different kingdom. We live with a different worldview. What we believe matters and how we view people matters and, and how we view this world It does matter. And we are to be thinking believers. And when you hear something and you say, that doesn't sound like the gospel. It isn't then. That doesn't sound true. It's probably not. It doesn't correspond to reality. The reality is, you and I are created in God's image. The reality is, we are all sinners. It doesn't matter who we are, what color we are, what gender we identify as, we are all sinners. And the solution for all of that is always Jesus. And the solution for believers to make a difference in the world is that we model the life that Jesus gave us. And he said, the Son of Man came to what? To serve and not to what? Be served. Isn't that the ultimate? I know it's discouraging times. I, I, I know. I just, I just, ah, <laughs> 
always have to come back to the gospel because it's a place that I can stand and find some sanity in all this. And it's the thing that really corresponds to reality. It's the way that we look at people. Should I treat a trans person with the dignity and respect of being created in God's image? You bet I should. If not, I am violating them as a being made in God's image. See how that works? All of us, this challenges all of us. It doesn't matter what we look like or where we come from. Our socioeconomic is a The gospel has got to challenge every person some point in their life or we are not following the true gospel. If the gospel is always about them, and boy, they need it, and boy, I wish they would get their act together, I am missing the point. The person I need to preach the gospel to every morning when I get up is the person that I see in the mirror. And I'm in the bathroom alone. I know what you're thinking. Christy's standing behind me. Nope, it's me. (laughs) It's me. But folks, we have the power of the gospel. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Have some hope. Because there's always hope. Because Philippians says that when Jesus humbled himself to, to what? To even death on a cross, what did God do? He exalted him. You see, in the kingdom, true power is what? I serve and then I'm exalted. The world says that you, you take over and you lord it over. If you're in Core 52, you're going to read about true leadership this week. Mark 10, 45. That's not the way of Jesus. Would you stand and we're going to just sing again, just have a time to just reflect and offer ourselves once again to Jesus, just to challenge ourselves, maybe just to rethink. Maybe think, you know what, I haven't had a biblical worldview of the world. I haven't had a view of the world that is real and is true. And maybe you are discouraged. Maybe you're just overwhelmed by all that's happening. Would you take that to Jesus? Maybe you're just frustrated and all, those, all that stuff. But listen, Jesus... In the gospel is the answer. Let's pray. Father, you have given us your word and you have given us this world. And so, Father, may your word inform our view of the world. And God, I know it does feel like the playbook has been changed because it has. We are operating under different assumptions now. We are operating under different theories and different worldviews. But, Father, as your people, would you help us live under the world as you've created it. We are valuable. We are lost, but we are saved by the blood of Jesus. Minister to us now over these next few moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.